The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, everybody, welcome to Take Off with John Clark. And please subscribe for free to this podcast, rate and review it. And this is a great time with the Sixers in the second round of the playoffs. Let's welcome in a guy who knows all about that 20 years ago. Billy King was a general manager, president of the Sixers, eventually GM of the Nets. And Billy, does this Sixers run kind of bring back some memories of 20 years ago? It does, because the fact I like their team, um, they had the best record in the East, they play hard, and it, it's built on defense. Uh, they may not shoot the ball great all the time, but their defense to me is was tremendous, and that's what our team was. Um, they're led by Joel, we were led by Allen. They have a few more guys that can score on their squad than we did, but, um, but it's all built on defense, and that's what you're seeing in this series. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. And uh, you look good. Glad to see you're out of the neck brace. Uh, you had neck surgery. How? Yeah. Crazy is that to go through? Well, it was something because I've had, had pain down my arm for about a year and finally got to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. So Chris Dodson, the sixth doc, I thought it was my shoulder. And he said, no, no, it's your neck. And so I went to another neck guy. He goes, you need a specialist. So Dr. Alex Vaccaro Rothman is the one that did the surgery. And um, I feel great. Six weeks was long, but uh, the pain's gone. So I'm, I thank them for all their hard work. Well, it's good to see you. Uh, looks like you're looking good. And I got to ask you about this Danny Green injury. The Sixers say he's got the strained calf, so he's going to be out at least two weeks, probably two to three weeks. So yeah. who do you think that uh, Doc Rivers is going to go with in the starting lineup in place of Dan? My gut's going to say Furcon because he, that, that way allows Shake to sort of stay in his role. It allows Maxi to stay in his role. And Furcon is a guy that can step in. There's a little more of a veteran in place. So to me, I think it's going to be Furcon that will get that nod. That's interesting. Um, how come not Matisse Thibel? Well, I think, Doc, he reminds me of Larry Brown. They like to keep guys in their role coming off the bench. And so that way you keep those guys set. And Furcon, who had lost some minutes for a while, now can step in that starting role. And he saw last night when Danny got hurt, he started getting back in the rotation. So to me, I think he'll go with Fur Furcon and keep everybody else in their natural roles because also starts the game with the spacing that you start when you start with Danny Green as well. Yeah, I think that's so important as well. You saw Danny... He did well shooting the three against the Wizards, but he's really struggling in this series. But is just the threat of him shooting the three very helpful with the spacing? Yeah, and that's the thing about it. he's a veteran guy. So, the, you know, they know that they don't want to leave him because he can get very streaky and make a lot of shots. So, to me, is having him on the floor with Curry, just the threat of them, it's like we had J.J. Reddick. The threat, defense, going to, they're on the scouting point, don't leave Danny Green, don't leave Curry, don't leave Furcon. You know, so that when you have that, guys know – these are the shooters. 
I know that Danny's gotten some groans from the crowd in this series because he's missed some some shots and some big shots. But uh, how big of a loss is this losing a starter for the rest of the series? Well, it's big in effect just his experience factor. He's been there. He knows the, the ebb and flow of a game. There's times when he knows he needs a big shot, when they need a three. Um, and so you do lose, lose that experience factor of him. We've got his one numerous championship with San Antonio, Toronto, with the Lakers. So that part is tough. But if the, if you can get him healthy and they get beyond that, it's really you're going to need him is when you go further, if it's in Brooklyn or if you get to the finals. So I think if you can get him healthy, get through this series um, and have a healthier and fresher Danny Green, it may pay off for them better down the road. And it's interesting, Billy, because the first game and a half of the second game, the Hawks really had an advantage with their bench, but the Sixers have kind of turned that around. So does this hurt the bench when you lose a guy like Furcon or somebody that's going to be in the starting lineup? Well, I don't think it will just for the fact that, I mean, if you look at it, Shake Milton was the big factor in the bench the other night uh, and played great for them. Uh, I, I mean, you'll lose it, but I think you put him in a starting lineup, you'll get some score for him. But if, if you need Shake and Maxi to come in with those fresh young legs to keep up because Atlanta has some young guys. So I look at Shake and those guys, that's the bench. Those are the guys that are going to score and do all those things. I'm, I'm not as concerned as much as losing it. It's about starting Furcon and keeping those other guys in their natural roles off the bench. How impressed were you with what the Sixers did in game three going on the road? Atlanta had won 13 straight and 21 to 23 at home. It was impressive. I thought it would be a lot closer game, but I think the Sixers came out and set the tone early. And Atlanta, they're a little bit they're, they're trying to figure out the playoff system. You know, they, they went on the road, played great, won the first one. And I think they got a little satisfied. And then in game two, they got – yeah, beaten. And then at home, they thought it's just going to happen because you're at home. And that's not having the experience factor of being in the playoffs. This is their first time through. You got to remember, Joel has been there. He's been in a game seven. Ben has been there. So they understand road playoff games, home playoff games. So, but overall, it was just impressive how they dominated the game and really built that lead up in the third quarter. And I was worried a little bit that they allowed Atlanta to sort of the comeback a little bit in the fourth. But then they were able to stop that out because what you don't want is them to have belief going into the next game. We can play with them. I thought that's what the Sixers did in game one. They fought back, had a chance to win, and it puts them down in Atlanta. But it allowed the Sixers to know we can beat this team. You know, They had a good run, but we can beat them. And it gave them the momentum going into games two and three. You made a great point about sometimes it, it just takes that playoff experience to understand going to the next level. You know, I looked at that Sixers team – where you were the general manager and you, you kind of made the incremental uh, yeah. increases every year. How important do you think that was for that team? But also, as you mentioned, Joel Embiid, I, I remember Michael Jordan, you know, they showed on the last dance how he had to go through getting beaten up by the Pistons yeah. to learn a next level. It, it is important. It, you, you said the best. We made the playoffs with the Sixers back in 2000, I think it's 99 with Larry. You know, we beat Orlando, then we play Indiana, and, and they just destroyed us. There was a more experienced team. And then the next year, we play Indiana again, and we, you know, we get a little closer. Then the finally, we got over the hump and got to the finals. But you've got to go through that with the playoffs. You've got to go through that with the referees, understand the ebb and flow. There are going to be games where you don't play well in a series, and it's not over until it's over. So you've got to be able to bounce back. And the biggest thing is you've got to be able to make adjustments in the playoffs. The coaches – they do a great job of breaking down the film, breaking down the plays. You know what they're going to run. 
is you got to be able to take it from the paper, the film, and put it in the game. So when they call a play, you know, watch the player screen or we're switching this because you can't have those mental lapses in a playoff game. And you talk about the experiences of playoffs. What Joel Embiid and they all went through two years ago, losing that game seven at Toronto. And then last year, obviously, Ben Simmons not even there and they get swept. Um, do you see such a, a difference in Joel Embiid's demeanor? I mean, you know, he was trash talking on social media with a lot of guys. He was playful, but he is all business and so serious this year. Yeah, I mean, that's what I love about him. It's a bit about work. Everything he's done has been about focusing every night to come out and try to get 30, 35, rebound the basketball, not take a lot of threes, uh, realizing I can get to the free throw and they can't guard me inside. And I think he, once he saw the success he was having where they couldn't guard him, he's get to the line. He just built on that. And he, he still have his jokes, but it's not as it's more, I guess, business-like approach to the season, that, which I enjoy. Um, there'll be times that he, he does do some laughing like that, but for so, I don't know if it's Doc and probably a little bit of Doc, but also his coaching staff, Sam Cassell, really talking to him about because Sam played with Olajuwon and he's telling him, yeah, there's a time for this, but this is how Olajuwon played, prepared. This is how you know uh, Glenn Robinson prepared. This is how Kevin Garnett prepared. So he can give him true experiences that he's been through of how these guys have prepared themselves. And Doc can say, I coach you know Kevin Garnett. This is what they did. So I think it's rubbing off, and and that's really. You wanted that sooner, but a lot of it, you got to go through the growing pains of, of disappointment, and he's done that. Yeah, you make a great point. I've seen, you know, sitting up in the press box during timeouts, the things that Sam Cassell does, and I see him go over to guys a lot and have extended conversations when there's issues with the officials, and he really yeah. seems to have a really good way with these guys, and he can always make them laugh, by the way. Sam Cassell always has a joke, yeah. but seems like he's really relatable, and it does calm these guys down. Well, and for the fact they know he's done it. They know he's won championship. He's been there. So when he's talking to them, it's not saying, like, I watched some film. He's saying, I've been in this situation. You know, or you can say, look, that referee, don't say it. The guy ref my game. He'll throw you out of the game, so let it go. Or, you know, he can give them the relatable moments that he's gone through. And you always want to have somebody on your staff that's done that. Doc played, but it was a while ago. Sam, it's been a while, but not that further. And also, it's got to be somebody that's not always the head coach. The head coach is going to give different messages. Sometimes they're going to jump guys. It's got to be the assistants that cheer guys up and that you can do this and give them that. And I think he's been great for Ben this year. I think he's encouraged Ben to take do, take chances, do things that Ben may not want to do, especially in the offensive end. Maybe a little like Mo Cheeks as an assistant who could really massage things when Larry Brown was getting on guys. <laughs> exactly. Mo was the best. When Larry would get out and upset, Mo would just – figure out a way how to get him to go back there and focus on, you know, take it out on your opponent, not Larry. <laughs> Let's go back to game three a little bit. Um, you know, Joel Embiid is getting to the free throw line. They say one out of every four offensive possessions. And you can tell the Hawks just don't have anybody, any way of stopping him. How impressed have you been with Joel? And he understands getting to that free throw line. Well, and, and that's the whole thing about playoff basketball is, taking advantage of the situations of getting to the foul line, but also not just getting foul line, but putting other guys in foul trouble. So if you can get one or two fouls on those guys, then you're going to be playing against backups. And he understands, even if they call him that swipe and then again, free throws, that's still in a foul on the opponent. And he's made it an art. Brooke Lopez, who I had in, in Brooklyn, made it an art of getting guys in foul trouble. He would get the starting center two quick fouls and he'd be going against the backups within three or four minutes. 
And I think Joel has understood that. And that's what you want in the playoffs. You don't want to go against the starters as much. You want to go against the backups if you can. And then by getting one or two fouls early in the quarter, you get to the bonus sooner. So now you shoot more free throws. So it's, I think he's, he has a better understanding of the game. And, and by him taking threes, which he did a lot in his career, he's bailing those guys out because they, they can't guard him inside. They hope he's shooting three. Because if he's shooting eight of those and only makes three of them, that's much better than what he would shoot inside. Yeah, and, and you've been around the league for so long, and you've seen greatness. Where would you put what Joel is doing on a small tear in his lateral meniscus? You saw him get knocked down twice in game three, and we always worry when we see Joel go down. Where do you think this ranks, what he's doing so far? Well, and I don't like to take what guys are and say, well, he's on par with Allen or he's on par with Barkley or, or Moses. I like to think that what I look at what Joel has done for Joel compared to where he was in his career. I think he's put himself in a position where now he's a runner for MVP. He's put himself stay healthy that he is going to be a guy that will be in the MVP conversation, you know, the rest of his career because he's. I think he's finally realized how you know, what it takes to be very successful, like not to just score points, but to be successful and carry a team. This team, he has carried them along the way, and it's. When it, it's going to be fun when you finish it and see if he stays healthy. If they can win it this year, then it'll, it'll put them in a whole different level of Sixers because that's only – you're talking about Dr. J, Moses Malone, Mo Cheeks, Bobby Jones. That'll put them in a whole different realm because Barkley couldn't do it. Iverson couldn't do it. You know, so he'll be in a special category if, if they can win this championship. And you know, Philly, there's these constant debates, and you do a great job on WIP radio. We hear you in the mornings, and it always comes up even when Ben Simmons does a great job defending Trey Young, they still want more. A lot of fans want more offensively. And you saw Doc Rivers challenge Ben at halftime at game three saying, be more aggressive, go more downhill and take your offensive opportunities. Um, does that need to be told to Ben sometimes like that? What, that what Doc did? Yeah. Cause sometimes a guy like Ben gets in the game and he just starts, he just plays the game and he's facilitating. And I think what Doc's got to remind him, we need you attacking, putting the, when Ben is attacking, pushing the ball to the court, trying to get to the basket, making the defense collapse and find the shooters, that's when they're at best. If he's just being a traditional point guard, dribbling up and initiating the offense, anybody can do that. He is special in the fact that he can get to the hole and finish and find guys. And I think that's what Doc was challenging him is you just can't be out there just playing the game. We need you pushing the pace and being aggressive. And what it does, it puts guys like that are guarding him like, you know, um, Trey Young in foul trouble. It makes those guys have to guard him. If they don't, then it makes it tougher else. And so I like Ben pushing it and being aggressive, attacking the basket, and because they can't guard him when he's going really at a fast pace. And look, you knew how difficult it was for an opponent to guard Allen Iverson and yeah. how much it took out of you. How impressed are you with, with Ben's defense and, and how different is it for Trey to have a six ten guy on him? Well, it, it's very difficult because what Ben's doing for his side to chase him off screens and he's got the ball in his hands and to be there all the time. But what I like Ben is Ben's playing off enough. And when he goes to do a step back three, Ben still can affect the shot. And Trey knows that he blocked one. I think it was in game two. So Trey knows that Ben can get there. So now he's thinking I got to get create enough distance and even if he gets by him, Ben can recover. So it, it's got Trey looking for Ben more than just looking for the basket. When he's got guys his own size, he can take a step back and arch it over. 
it's very difficult for Ben, for him to get it over Ben, even when Ben's playing off of him. And do you think the Sixers have found their size advantage in this series when you can have Joel, Ben, and Tobias all in the paint at times? Well, I think they've all realized that at some point somebody's got the mismatch and who does, who has it. And so you'll see them looking around and so it's Tobias, we'll post him up. Or it's Joel. Well, Joel is a mismatch every time. But and what you want is that when they start doubling, I didn't think the Sixers did a good job of spacing earlier in game three when they were doubling Joel. So they've got to put themselves in position so he, he has passing lanes. But when Ben has the mismatch, take it inside. Because what you want to do is take the mismatch, make them out to double, make them out to help, and then you create easier shots. And all three of those guys, different situations, have mismatches. And they, they do a great job of pushing up the court. And when they don't, they recognize the mismatch and take advantage of it and then allow those other guys to work. Who do you think wins game four? I, I think the Sixers are going to win it. I, I think that game three was very pivotal in the sense of mojo. Atlanta's going to come out, and they're going to be anxious. If the Sixers can come out and jump on them early, it'll make them realize Atlanta, like, this is, you know, we're, we may not be ready for this. I mean, they're going to come out, and Trey's going to try to set the pace. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to be physical. The Sixers got to come out just as aggressive and pushing the pace. And because I, I think at the end of the day, the Sixers are a better team. Atlanta may have individual talent that may stand out in different positions, but as a team, the Sixers are a better team. So you have Sixers winning the series then? Yes. I All said right. in six, but they may, they, at the beginning, I said six. They may win it in five. If they can get, if they can get this next game, I think they win it in five. All right. So who do you have in the Eastern Conference Finals? I think it's the Sixers, and I think I think Brooklyn. I think Milwaukee will, you know, did a great job bouncing back. But I think Brooklyn eventually will win. It may get, it may not have to go seven, but um, then I think it's the Sixers and Brooklyn for the for the see who goes to the finals. It's the Billy King Bowl. Yeah, there you go. That's right. I, I didn't even think about that, John. Wow. How about that? I mean, you're a GM for both teams, so so who I know do you, I'm rooting for then. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Sixers, right? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. All right, so who, who would you have going to the finals, do you think? I think it's going to be very close. If, if they play, the Sixers, what you can't do against Brooklyn is turn the ball over because they are such a lethal offensive team. You can't give them more offensive possessions, so you got to limit their possessions. And if they don't turn the ball over and take advantage of the mismatch with Joel, I think the Sixers can beat them. If they give them too many possessions, turn the ball over, then I think the Sixers will, uh, will be in for a long, long night. I think they've got to control the pace, and I think the Sixers can't beat them in seven because the seven game will be here. Wow. And, and it's interesting watching these playoffs. Is this one of those years where you can really say there's like four four teams or so that can win a championship? You've got some of the stars like LeBron and Anthony Davis out of the playoffs. I mean, is it is it open? Yeah, because I, and I think what this playoffs has done is created stars that people didn't know about. Donovan Mitchell, if people like realize how good he really is. Um, Booker in, in Phoenix playing with them and Chris Paul. Now you, the people realizing how good Booker is and then Trey Young for Atlanta. These are stars. And I think the playoffs make superstars because guys raise their level. And all three of those guys I mentioned have raised their level. Joel has gotten that level because of what he did before. But now people are seeing his MVP candidate. So I, I, I just think that, you know, LeBron Anthony was as great as they were, but now these guys have wrote, risen up and, and, all those teams, I think Utah, Phoenix, Sixers, and Brooklyn, all four of those teams can, can win the championship. And they all four have stars, superstars on their team that can carry them. 
You know, Billy, the one worry that I have in the back of my mind is Joel's knee because how long can he keep doing this? I mean, can it get a little better or can it get a little worse? Well, the, the thing about it, we don't know how bad the tear is. If it's a small tear, I mean, he's going to have to have surgery after the season, I think, regardless. Um, but the main thing is, is you want to maintain the swelling after the games. And so now they've had two games off. You want to keep them off at elevated compression ice and get the swelling out because that's the main thing that will keep them immobile for games is the swelling. And as they go forward, I mean, it's just about managing the pain, managing the swelling, and I think he can play. Um, it's going to – it may tear some more as he keeps going, but the, the big thing is as soon as the game's over, and fortunately, remember, like some of these games he didn't have to play as many minutes, is to get ice on it as quick as possible and just him stay off and keep the swelling down. It's going to swell up. He's got to control the swelling, and I think if it doesn't tear or start locking up, I think he can get through the playoffs. So do you think the process worked? What process? <laughs> the process. Trust the process. The Sam Hinky way. Uh, he got Joel. He got Ben. Um, he had some other lottery tickets. Some of them didn't work out, but they are now in a position where they're contending for a championship with two superstars. Actually, I mean, three with Tobias, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if they get there, I mean, I think it's an uh, improvised process because they, they abandoned it and traded some of those pieces to get the Tobias, the Jimmy Butler, and they changed halfway through. But, yeah, anytime you get a, a great player, if you want to say it worked, sure. If, if you want to give the process it's due. But I think, it's you know, it, I don't know how a lot of people would say we're going to go through all this pain and suffering for all these years and you, you'll have a chance for a championship. I don't know a lot of people signing for that, but I look at it as like they got Joel Embiid. And if, if it, if that was the process, then it worked because you got a great player. So if, if you were told to do quote unquote, the process, uh, strip, strip it all. Could you, could you live through that and do that? It'd be hard, John, for the fact is I just know I couldn't face the people in the city knowing that we're not really trying to win and we're asking people to pay to watch it. Um, I think anytime you put a product on the floor and you're asking people to pay their money to come watch, you've got to try to give them the best product that you can. You may not, it may not always work, but you've got to try to, the goal is always try to win. And uh, whenever I was in charge, you know, I, when we traded Allen, I asked Ed, I said, Ed, you know, you know, there's a chance, you know, we can tank this rest of the season and, you know, we may get Durant, we may get um, or Odin at the time. And I, but I just don't know if you can tell, you know, the players not to win. And Ed goes, I just, it's not in my nature to, to not try to win. And the players are asking, they said, we, you know, we're trying to win, right? And the fact is we had so many young guys, we didn't know, we had to figure out if they could play. And if we would just tanked it and didn't have them play, we would have never known if they didn't could play. And if we didn't get Durant or, or Odin, and now we figure out what do we have now. So I think you always got to try to play to win. Um, and if it works out, great. But when you just – I always believe, John, losing is habitual as is winning. And when you tell people just to lose, it become habit forming. And it's hard to break bad habits. Um, and I think some of the habits that those guys had from that, finally they're – breaking out of them, but there were some habits that needed to be broken. And I think Doc has finally got through that point. Yeah. Ed Snyder was not a tank or process kind of guy. No, no, he was not. Uh, losing was not in his uh, vocabulary, especially losing on purpose. Yeah, you're exactly right. Is there anybody that you really wanted 
where you had a chance at through trade or draft or anything like that, you were this close to getting that, that you still kind of stay up at night sometimes and say, wow, if we had gotten him. Um, no, I mean, there were, I mean, the, I think I've always said the Tracy McGrady with, with Toronto before they, you know, I think he left to go to Orlando, you know, we had a deal in place the night before, um, and they got out and, uh, Toronto got cold feet and backed out. Um, that was one that had been, you know, you never knew how it would have turned out, but you know, I look back at drafts, um, when the Larry Hughes draft, you know, could, if we didn't take Larry Hughes and took, you know, you know, Dirk or took, you know, uh, Paul Pierce, what would have turned out? Um, and then there's some drafts where we took some guys in it, you know, in the second round that worked out for us. So uh, at the time, you try to make the best decision with the, all the information you have. And um, in that situation, we were drafting for a position for a need um, and we had made a promise. Um, so we stuck to our word um, and it backfired on us. And you tried like heck to find a, a, a Robin with, with Allen Iverson yeah, many times, you know, Chris Weber, uh, big dog, a lot of guys. Um, how difficult is it like from a business side of, Hey, we want to sell out this building. Allen Iverson's such an exciting player. And, you know, like we saw with the Phillies, maybe they hung on to Ryan Howard, Chase Sutley and I, those guys too long because of the nostalgia of winning a championship. How difficult is that to make that decision of when it's time to it's over. Well, it's because the fact is, John, you don't get a chance. You only get a chance to have an Allen Iverson one time. And as great a player Hall of Famer is, you know, you when you're trading him, you're never going to get value for him. So when you trade him, you realize that you're getting rid of a great player. Maybe he's on the downward slide, but you're getting rid of a, a Hall of Famer. And now you, you may never get one again. And that's the hardest thing. And that's really when you're trading a guy is, you know, you're getting rid of that guy. And, you know, think about Orlando. When they let Shaq walk away for nothing to go to L.A., they've really never been the same. I mean, they got Dwight Howard and they ended up trading him. But that's the difficult thing when you have a great player and when you either trade him or you don't pay him. It's, you, there's no guarantee you're going to get another one. You're very right. And, and look, everybody knows you guys went through a lot with Allen Iverson. Um, Recently, the, the Rockets, it all came out about James Harden. You know, he would he would want to schedule uh, the team flight to go to Vegas or whatever. He had all these different things. But people said, why would they put up with that? And I said, why? Because he's selling out the building every night and he's giving you a shot at a championship every year. I mean, are those the things sometimes you have to do in the life of the NBA? Well, you try to manage the situation as best you can. Um, when you have a great player, they all are have their quirks and their their differences um, and you try to manage them the best and you try not to allow it to affect the rest of the team is when it started affecting the rest of the team, that's when the problem comes about. Um, Coach K had a great line is I'm going to treat you all equally, I mean, fa equally, fairly, but I'm not going to treat you all equally. And that's <laughs> the way I looked at it. You, you know, not everybody's going to be treated the same, but I'm going to treat you fairly and how, you know, uh, punishment and things are dished out. And when guys like the superstar, I, told, I was talking to Quinn Snyder, and this will probably tell you best. And I said, Quinn, Donovan Mitchell is a rare superstar because he allows you as a coach to coach him, and he allows his teammates to play with him. And when I say he allows them to play with him, he allows them, like, he'll pass them, let them get shots, rebound, and make plays so they feel a part of it. So then they give their extra effort because he's allowing them to play with them, and he allows the coach to coach them so they all feel a part of it. When the stupid superstar doesn't allow his teammates to play with him 
and they can't take shots or do certain things or doesn't have the coach to coach them, then it's time because then it, the whole puzzle is not going to fit together. All right, we're going to wrap this up with a tough question. How would you compare your Sixers team 20 years ago that went to the finals to this Sixers team right now? Who's, who's got the better talent? Who's the better team? Well, they have more guys that can score. Uh, we were a better defensive team, I think, physical. Um, I just think that we, we, we had the best player in Allen Iverson, so I, I would take my, our team because we had the best player in Allen Iverson. No, that's not a knock against Joel or Ben or anything like that. I just think Allen was one of the greatest players to play the game, and uh, Joel may get there someday, but to me, we had the best player in Allen Iverson, so I would take us. And you think this Sixers team, can, can they win it all? I think so. I think they can because one thing I like about them is they can play defense. They have the multiple guys from Thibault to Ben that can play defense and they got guys that can block shots and they got a guy that can score inside and out in Joel. Um, I think they are a complete team that can win.